a hamburger. No, a cheeseburger. I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake. I want potatoes. You'll get nothing and like it. Okay, my little hip drivers, let's talk about seminars. So next seminar is going to be in Wichita Falls on September 11th through the 13th. Then we'll be over in Denver at Starting Strength Denver on October 16th through the 18th. And then back to Wichita Falls on December 11th through the 13th. If you ever thought about becoming a Starting Strength coach or you just want to get better at coaching the lifts, we do have a coaching development camp on the list. August 29th will be in Denver, and that'll be how to coach the squat, going in-depth on how to go through the teaching progression as well as how to diagnose and correct movement. New format camp on the list, self-sufficient lifter camp will be on August 15th in Wichita Falls covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift, how to best film yourself, and how to diagnose your own technique. Then we have two squat and deadlift camps with space available, August 30th in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and then September 19th in Moodis, Connecticut at Anino Strength and Conditioning. Our next three lift camp on the list covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift will be on November 29th in Singapore at Hygieia Strength and Conditioning. And then we have one nutrition camp on the list that'll be September 12th in Chicago at Chicago Strength and Conditioning. All of our starting strength gyms are open and accepting new members. To find a location or to request a location or just get more information in general, you can head over to locations.startingstrengthgyms.com. And as always, for more details and registration information on any of the events that I covered, head over to StarringStrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting strength. Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. It's Friday, and who gives a damn really what you are? Right? You're here. That's all that matters. All right? Thank you for being here. Every Friday, Starting Strength Radio blazes a trail through the insanity that we find ourselves in engulfed in here in 2020 the year from hell so far has there been a worse year than this fucking thing um, do you remember one I don't. I, I don't i certainly as hell don't as far as in the united states as far as your personal shit is concerned if you had a worse year than this like did you did one year you lose your parents and all your aunts and uncles and grandparents and your dog and your cat, no. all that shit happened at one time, mm-hmm. at any point. You know, I would I would say, uh, was it oh, was it oh three when nine eleven happened? No, it was oh one. Oh one. I would say that year was pretty bad, but honestly, the United States kind of bonded over that. That yeah, that was nothing like no, this. No, it's, nothing like yeah. this. World War Two was not like this. Yeah. In World War Two, you could go out and get a sandwich in a cafe and sit down and eat it and pay for it and not have everybody be an asshole. So it's, uh, I don't know, this is just really a fucked up situation. But we're here to lend a little gaiety <laughs> to the situation. That's going to show up in the comments from the haters. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of comments from the haters... It's now time for Come and Sit from the Heaters. 
this week, our lovely production assistant, Bree, is she still the production assistant? Or I thought we promoted her to assistant well, we director. Well, promoted her, and then I demoted her, and then we promoted her again. So what is she now? I think she's a exec. No, not executive. Assistant produ- assistant producer or some shit yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, see that that's done. Okay. All right. See that that's okay. done. <laughs> End credits. You can get it fixed. All right. She's selected several comments about Chase's three seventy. Standing press. Now this was was this the three sixty five no, for two singles or the three seventy? Which one did we post? Which one was this? I think it was the seventy. It was the three seventy. The one that was done here. Yeah. One was done here. All right. So here's he's twenty two, right? At a body weight of two hundred and forty five pounds, and he's pressing three seventies. Three seventy. Standing press, 370. There's not anybody that strong in the country. 365, it was? Yeah. Is 365? He's since done 370. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did 370. He did 370 in Houston yeah. when he got back. No, no, he did 365 in Houston. When he came here, he did 370. He did 370, but that was not the – well, but we're talking about five pounds. Yeah. Right. So this is real fucking strong, all right? And as you might expect – <laughs> the bottom 0.03 percent of humanity's got something to say about that. Is that the COVID death rate? Yeah, it's the COVID death rate. We just calculated the COVID death rate of the population of Harris County. We were having fellowship earlier, and we we decided we we calculated the COVID death rate that the uh, DRC19 is the actual name of the statistic. I named it, right? The death rate from COVID-19. And, you know, Harris County, Texas, Houston, has got a population of 4.7 million and some change. And 500 and, what'd you say? Uh, 540? 540, some odd. Something like that. Something to that effect. People in Harris County have died. For a death rate of 0.000. To one percent of the population of Harris County has, has succumbed to the deadly COVID nineteen um, virus, the pandemic, as it were, and uh, probably that point zero 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 two one percent are these people right here. Right you could died. at least you could hope they weren't. <laughs> They commented right before they died, which would be fine. All right, so Biff Tannen's dad says, that's a standing bench press with backbreaker arch. Backbreaker. Backbreaker. I've seen the boy. He's fine. All right, so what if your back snaps from leaning too much? That's a heavy standing incline press. That's more of an incline bench, L-M-A-O. Horrible form. <laughs> Horrible enough to do 365, right? How not to strict press exhibit A. Did we mention that this was not a strict press? I, you're, you're talking to people that 
can't understand anyway. And they probably can't even press 135. And if you're talking to people that don't press the fucking 95-pound bar. Yeah. Right. Seems really bad for the lumbar spine overarching that way. Well, it seems that way, except that it's not. A, and B, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, pineapple pizza. That's why I'm here, and you're there. Mark Rippertoe is not teaching him properly. Well, that may be, but he still did 365. <laughs> ah, the standing bench press, my favorite. <laughs> I seem to detect that all these people call each other before they first post on the probably and then die of COVID nineteen well, in Harris they're County. They're in the ICU talking to each other. They're in the adjacent beds in the ICU. And then one post and dies. <laughs> one post succumbs. The next one posts succumbs. The third one posts until the ICU is empty. Yeah. And then what are we going to do? Who's the hospital going to make money off of? Stay, well, all right, weird bench press. <laughs> Is he pressing or incline pressing? <laughs> I prefer to use a bench for my inclines to each his own, I guess. <laughs> Might as well just bench press it. <laughs> and that's comments uh, from, from the, heaters. the heaters. Our favorite people. Yeah, so how's your week been, huh? You know, we're I'm just asking anybody that wants to respond. Uh, you know, I mean, here we are. Every major corporation in the United States has decided to ignore the facts and ignore the analysis in favor of the appearance of making everyone wear a mask before they go into the fucking store. Every major retail outlet in the United States has decided to do something, even if it's wrong. So that's our new motto. Do something, even if it's wrong. Okay? Amazing. All right, here's a comment. Mateo says, I offered to translate. Started strength 10 years ago. Rip basically told me to fuck off. I don't remember that. Of course, it's been 10 years. I don't remember what I had for dinner last night. No, I had sausage and kraut last night. That's what I had for dinner. So I'm. But 10 years ago, I can't tell you what I had for dinner, so I don't remember telling this guy to fuck off. I ended up translating large chunks of it while training people in Mexico. I guess he's talking about translating it into Spanish. Glad he finally got off his ass about this. Not that they'll sell. <laughs> Most Hispanics don't read, and even fewer will pay for any media they can pirate. Now, that sounds racist. this is racism. Is there any other interpretation? Either of you see another interpretation of this? Most Hispanics don't read, and even fewer will pay for any media they can pirate. That is a blatant racist comment. And I I don't know about you guys, but I don't appreciate this. You don't either, all right? 
Well, Bree, how'd you put it on the fucking table here then? If you 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 wanted me to agree with that, didn't you? You wanted me to appear to be racist. That's the only explanation. Racism is the only explanation for anything. Right? What is the escape velocity of a rocket going into low Earth orbit? Racism. Racism. It's the only answer. All right. Okay, now let's get into the questions because we're going to question and then answer. For a while, I'll get through as many of these as I can today. You know, whenever I lose my attention span, I will assume that you've lost yours and we'll go to that point or maybe one question afterward and we'll just see what happens all right mark i've noticed that the majority of bicep tears that occur during a deadlift happen with an alternate grip it also appears that the tear almost always occurs on the supinated side man you're a careful observer chad is this injury inherent to using an alternate grip or the result of incorrect technique? Well, no, it's not an incorrect technique. There is a risk of doing heavy deadlifts uh, with a supine grip because the in a, on the supinated side, the bicep's under tension because the uh, primary supinator of the forearm is the bicep. And if both sides are prone, the bicep is not loose, but it is not quite under the tension that uh, you normally find if in uh, an alternate grip. The alternate grip is, uh, is used in the deadlift because it's, uh, you're, you know, the, if the bar is rolling out of one set of fingers, it's rolling into the other set of fingers, and so it's a much more secure grip. You guys all know that already. Uh, if you're going to use an alternate grip on the deadlift, you have to be sure that your elbow is straight. But even with a straight elbow, you run the risk on a heavy deadlift of avulsing, and it's usually distal down at the elbow, avulsing the bicep tendon. Then that's got to be repaired. You know, hospitals are involved, orthopedic surgeons are involved, people who think squats are bad for the knees are involved in it, and you don't want that. Uh, so I recommend that if you're going to do your heavy deadlifts, that you either learn how to make damn sure your elbow is completely straight and the bicep has not got any flexion tension on it, or that you learn how to double overhand hook grip. Some people that are not going to a meet can probably get away with straps on their heavy work set of deadlifts. I don't really like that idea. It just doesn't seem clean to me but there's no real reason why you know you can't do that uh, and see the damnedest thing about that injury is you're not going to know it's about to happen until it just jumps off the bone there's no warning there's no pain to ignore for two or three weeks it just comes loose Boom. tell you what's real bad about that is a uh, strong man because of the tire flip because everybody that flips one of those heavy tires does it with bicep flexion, elbow flexion. 
A lot of guys been hurt real bad doing it. Straw man's kind of a stupid sport anyway, so. You know, it's just much craziness. All right, let's see. Mr. Ripito, first off, he appreciates the podcast. Who doesn't? Your books, programs, made a big difference. Now, I feel every single day, 36-year-old man, who needs to gain 30 pounds? I wonder how we do that. Let's continue. I'm 5'10", 170, and just got back on the program after a six-week layoff due to my work schedule. I'm easing back into it because my body is pretty beat up and won't embarrass myself in listing my current numbers. Probably a good decision. Real issue is deadlifting. One shoulder sits a solid inch lower than the other, which leads to a noticeable difference in the bar coming up. I use a straight grip and no straps. I can, I don't know what he means by a straight grip, but I can try to compensate while I'm working back up, but at heavier weight, it just feels a little dangerous. Should I just let the sucker hang as it will or try to keep the bar level and hope my musculature evens out? All right. Oh, and he also says 20 years ago he had a car wreck, fucked up his shoulder. All right. Why would you think that if you didn't keep the bar level that your musculature would even out? Correct form is the correction for an asymmetry. Because if you use correct form, the whole pull is symmetrical, and then the, muscular, the musculature will get that way due to the differential stress that causes the weak side to catch up, right? Uh, but, see, we started off needing to gain weight. 5'10", 170. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of reed like, don't you think? Kind of willowy. He's a willowy young man at 5'10, 170. How do we uh how do we gain weight? We got to eat more. Right? We eat more. Is there another way to gain weight? I don't know of one. Caloric surplus requires that you Eat more. I just thought of something. How about if he does something like, oh, I don't know, maybe drink a gallon of milk a day. <laughs> you think that'd work? I don't know. I just now thought of it. Hell, it might. Might work, mightn't it? Don't you think? It's worth a try. About a gallon of olive oil a day. No, no, that's no, that wouldn't work because it doesn't have any protein in it. Doesn't have any carbs in it. How about a gallon of apple cider vinegar a day? No, not enough calories. I don't know, the more I think about it, the more I think that maybe a gallon of milk a day would, would work. 
You know, it's not something you do the rest of your life, but until you've gained the 30 pounds, it, you know, God, maybe, maybe we're on to something here. Okay. Mr. Ripito, thanks for your Cannonball Run episode. He's referring to our friend uh, uh, Fred Ashmore. And uh, we interviewed him recently. He talked about his insane Cannonball Run uh, across the country. You know, I was reading a comment from the hater about that. I can't even remember where I read that. Did you show me this? We talked about how irresponsible Fred was. He was going to kill somebody and... And uh, and he shouldn't put his fellow man in danger and all this other shit. This guy was typing this while he was wearing his mask at home by himself. No doubt. Right. I'm curious about the cars you've owned over the years. What have been your favorites, least favorite, dream cars, and are there any cars you plan on purchasing soon? Well... You know, I had a bunch of cars. I had a, I had a '65 Corvair one time. That was a fun ass little car, man. Those things were highly overrated. I mean, highly underrated as cars. They had a gas tank in the front, and uh, Ralph Nader didn't like that, so he wrote a some kind of a expose on the Corvair called "Unsafe in Any Speed." And shamed the pussy General Motors Corporation into taking it off the market when it was a great little car. It was a rear engine, had a flat six boxer motor, essentially, like an aircraft engine. In fact, a lot of those engines have been uh, pulled out of the junkyard and repurposed for home-built aircraft. They're, they're great little engines. And the thing was had a wide footprint. It cornered like a Porsche. It was an amazing little car. It really was. And uh, I, I just they made them for oh sixty two to sixty nine, I think, something like that. You don't need to look that up. Don't jump to look that up. <laughs> But I had one of those. I had a, had several old beat up trucks. Had uh, uh, had a '66 Chevelle, a four door '66 Chevelle. My that was my hand me down car when I was a kid. Four door white '66 Chevelle with a 283 in the damn thing. And uh, well, that was a, that was a fun little car. That back seat got some use. I'm telling you. And let's see what else. I've had uh, I've had three uh, Nissans, three Nissan 300 ZXs, and those are great little cars. Oh my God, they're so good. They're not particularly fast, but they just don't break. Just nothing wrong with those cars. My God, if you want fun, dependable transportation, find one of those things. What a great little car. It's a pretty car, too. The, the, the generation that they stopped producing in 95 or 6. It's a beautiful car. 
you know, by today's standards, they're not terribly fast, but I thought they were thought they were pretty quick. Uh, let's see. My favorite car. He's wanting to know my favorite car. I'd have to say my favorite car was that white 300ZX, a 1990 model 300ZX. I had a lot of fun in that car. It was a great car. It never stranded me one time anywhere. It was beautiful, worked like a charm, nothing wrong with it. It's a great little car. And incidentally, all these cars, I, I, I don't... The, the last time I had an automatic transmission in a vehicle was in a was in that little blue short wide bed Chevy truck I had I bought from a friend of mine. That's the last automatic transmission I've had. I hate them. I don't like automatics. And uh, I kind of regard automatic transmission as like a housewives car. Is that sexism or misogyny? Misogyny. Do you know it's which one is it? I think it's misogyny. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like automatic transmission. I want to drive the car. You know, and you just need more input than an automatic transmission gives you. So all of my vehicles right now, every one of them have got a got a stick. You realize this makes them hard to steal, right? You can't drive a stick, and you can't drive a stick. I can, just not well. I, I, could you drive it in a situation where you had to get the car out of the parking lot before I shot you out of the front seat? Oh, probably not. Probably not. So you can't steal it. You, you can't, you know, you can't steal it, right? So, uh, yeah, I like like sticks, like manual transmissions. And uh, I think the estimate now is that something like 4% of the national fleet has got three pedals on the floor. And that's all. 4%. There are 40-year-old people that, don't, that have never driven a manual transmission. Just amazing to me. It's absolutely amazing. That Corvair I had was a, was a stick. You know, I've been driving them from since I was 15, 16 years old. Uh, it is a it is a lost skill. I think we lose too many skills. But I'd have to say, yeah, you know, my favorite car was that white that white Z car, white 1990 model Z car. Uh, I had a uh, in fact, that 84 model Z car I had, uh, I bought that thing with 200,000 miles on it. Didn't bat an eye. 200,000 miles. I drove that thing in up to 325,000 miles. Sold it pretty cheap to a buddy of mine's son. And uh, he wrecked the car with 365,000 miles on it. Now, that's how good that car was. You know, that's, that's pretty damn good service, you know. Uh, they just they made great little V6s. That three-liter V6, a great little engine. 
I, they're probably still making the damn thing. Who knows? They're balanced from the factory. They're great little cars. Okay, enough of that shit. You think of anything else I need to... You want to talk about your current ones? Well, I, right now I've got that... I talked about both of those with Fred. Nobody wants to hear about that again. Two Dodge trucks. 5.9 Cummins. The amazing 5.9 Cummins. Had to replace the engine in both of those trucks. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Dearest Ripolodian, I am a 32-year-old retail manager from the UK. What's a retail manager, do you know? What does that mean? Manages a retail store. He's got a store. He's got people that work for him for $10 an hour or whatever the hell it is. Sells things, right? Having previously exercised since I was 16, I came up with starting training two years ago. Quickly made progress. One would expect to see on the program from following NLP. Changed my life. Viewed towards training. Quickly realized that... The many hours of sweating, pain, repeat injuries were nothing but an absolute waste of time and opportunity. Well, good. But he says he has celiac disease, and though, and although not life-threatening, I've seen within the community of fellow sufferers a plethora of those that treat it as an excuse to seemingly rot away into dust and do not realize the potential they have to improve their lives through the opportunities give us, given us from strength training. I'm not giving you my life story. But you've already done that. Which, uh, what I would like to do now is to shift my career into the following, into following the steps to become a starting strength coach. Being from the UK, I do not have access to the seminars or the SS affiliate gyms that would be an option stateside. Uh, no specific qualifications in this field, and assume completing a ten a penny generic personal training course would be counterproductive as its teachings will presumably be in stark contrast to what we know from starting strength. Any specific qualifications or experiences that I should wish to seek before pursuing certification online with yourselves? Well, uh, we talked about this on the podcast just a couple of times, so I thought I'd go over this again. If you want to be a starting strength coach, the first thing you have to do is do the program. You cannot coach effectively that which you have not done yourself. You can't do it. So before anything else is done, you have got to give yourself the experience of what it is you're going to teach. You have to do that. It's mandatory. This cannot be an exercise in theory to you. You have to actually train. And you've got to learn the things that everybody learns when they get under the bar and start working through heavy weights they don't know they can lift. All right, so that's the first thing you need to do. Now, given the fact that every time we do a seminar here in the United States... We have people from Europe in attendance. So there is access. You do have access. You just have to spend some money to do it. And that requires you assessing the value of the, of the certification. 
right? Once you have read the books a couple of times apiece, watched all the videos that you have access to on the, on the Starting Strength channel, on YouTube, on our website, various places around the Internet, once you've read all the articles we've written about the correct implementation of Starting Strength as a method, once you have done your homework and prepared, then it's time for you to show up and show us the combined effects of your experience and your research and your information, the material that you've absorbed that we've provided for you. The combination of understanding the theoretical basis of this programming and having experienced the effects of that programming yourself are what properly equip you to be a coach. Now, given that, not everybody can be a coach. Given that, if you are one of these people that is uh, reserved, you know, that doesn't like to, to talk in front of other people, that's kind of shy about sharing your opinions and thinks you're not going to be an effective coach. Not everybody's an effective coach. Not everybody can play the guitar, Right. Some people who play the guitar are not musicians, right? So being, a, being an effective coach uh, requires that you have some innate talent for expressing yourself. And uh, I think that uh, some of that to, a, to an extent can be learned. Some of it can, some of that reticence can be overcome just with brute force. You know, you just make yourself talk, even though you'd rather not. Some reserved, shy people just can't do it. But if you're reserved and shy, I'm sorry, you can't be a coach. So the preparation involves your training and your reading and absorbing all the information. And since you are sitting for an examination of our material, um, other people's training material is not going to help you because we're not examining you on the basis of you knowing their shit. We're examining you on the basis of you knowing our shit. And I've always said that uh, a, a background in science, in a science education, a background that consists of a science education is, is far, far better a preparation for this than is an English degree. All right. People with English degrees and people with chemistry degrees think differently. And uh, you need to learn how to think in chemistry degree fashion instead of English degree or sociology degree or women's grievance studies degree. Think, all right? We're not, we're not concerned with critical race theory here. We're concerned with physics and chemistry and their derivatives, physiology, and biomechanics. Those are the things we're concerned about. We're concerned with the logic that comes along with ordering your thoughts along a, a, a science background. So all of that stuff goes into becoming a starting strength coach. But the, uh, you know, you're going to have to come over here. I'm sorry we're not there yet. We may never be. If you want to be a starting strength coach, you have to come to us. We have... In order to help you do this, we have an online coaching development course uh, with a with a 
course of study, a, a definite curriculum, reading assignments, coaching assignments, video recording assignments. This is designed to get you ready to do this. I don't think from your question you're that far along yet, but it certainly wouldn't hurt to go ahead and enroll in this product. It's not a lot of money, and it, it is designed to save you time. It's designed to, to teach you the things in the order that you need to learn them so that you can better pass the exam the first time you come over here and take it. That having been said, most people that pass this pass it the second time because it's very rigorous, and we pass about 15%. And, you know, the one thing about us is we're some pig-headed motherfuckers, <laughs> and we're just not going to we're not going to make this easier for you by making the material simpler or by lowering our standards because we're pig-headed motherfuckers, and we like it this way. We're not just going to let these fucking wombats in that the, you know, National Strength and Conditioning Association proudly referred to as the gold standard certification holders of the, of the fitness industry. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Most people with CSCS, well, here's how you know that. People will show up to the, to, the, to the seminar, and I will ask them fairly early on in the process on Friday afternoon, how many of you people in the audience have a certified strength conditioning specialist certification? And there's always a couple people there. And I will ask the following question. Have you been contacted this week? about using that certification to train a new client. And I have never in the 10 years now that we've been doing our version of this, of this seminar, I've never had one of those people tell me that they had been contacted by someone this week about their coaching as a CSCS. Not one time has anyone called them seeking that particular certification, but without fail, every week, a starting strength coach gets called about coaching. This is the difference in the two certifications. One is valuable and one is not. Okay, now. Real, what's your opinion of multivitamin, multimineral supplements? I have found research for and against it. Man, I don't know what research there is against it. I mean, I've been taking vitamins for a long time. Because, you know, why not? Might be a hole in your diet. They're not that expensive. You're training your ass off. You're, it stands to reason. If you're training your ass off and you need more protein and you need more carbs and you need more fat, then you also need more micronutrients too. Right? This, isn't, this is not illogical. So I think that a good multiple vitamin, uh, a, a multi-mineral, especially if you're in a hot environment with twice the calcium and it has magnesium and all the rest of the index follows in line with that, Probably an extra gram of C a day. I think everybody needs to take a little fish oil. Most people probably need to supplement vitamin D, especially if you live in some urban shithole like New York City, you know, San Francisco, some urban shithole like that, Seattle, 
you know. Anywhere Antifa lives, you need vitamin D, right? Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't see any reason not to. They're not that expensive, and they're filling in the holes in your diet. And I'm unaware of any argument against it that makes any sense. Now, I, here's the argument against supplements. Lazy people take supplements in lieu of correct training, right? You know, how many, you know, the SUPS, people that call them SUPS, it's S-U-P-P-S, right? What are your SUPS? Well, if you're taking SUPS, you're wasting a bunch of fucking money. You're taking SUPS instead of actually finishing the last rep of the set of five. Okay. Uh, what I'm talking about is just multiple vitamin, multiple mineral, fish oil, vitamin D, vitamin C. Okay. If you're taking an NO booster and you've just been, you're awfully susceptible to sales. <laughs> sales campaigns work real well on you. Okay. Oh, my favorite one, my favorite stuff is the testosterone boosters. They sell those on, on the radio all the time. Andro 400 or is it 500 or 600? I can't, I thousand now we're up to Andro 1000. It's a, it made, it boosts his testosterone. How much did it boost your testosterone? I mean, you can have that measured, you know. You, you're you not taking Andro 400, right? And you go in, and your testosterone's 178. You know, you start taking Andro 400, and two months later, your testosterone is 941. Did that or did that not happen? All right? Now, if you want to prove the effectiveness of a testosterone booster, get your testosterone checked before and after, and let's just see. This is, did that not occur to anybody? <laughs> You'll notice that's conspicuously absent from the advertising. Oh, shit. Here's the thing. If those testosterone boosters worked, you would know it pretty fucking quick. If those testosterone boosters worked, they'd be illegal. Yeah, right. Is what they'd be. The U.S. APL would uh, uh, have rules against taking them, and as far as I know, they don't. Oh, did you know that the USA power USA powerlifting disqualified a guy's total the other day because he was wearing his mask wrong? I shit you not. I shit you not. Oh, wow. Big meat guy's totals, big nice fucking total. You know, up up. Close to two thousand total disqualified it because his mask was on. Why does anybody lift? I, I don't understand it. I, the people lift for him because they're the only organization in the United States that actually judges depth on the squat, and that lends a little bit of legitimacy. But when you make a stupid, goddamn, idiot ass decision like that, that's got nothing to do with the squat, the bench, and the deadlift, how do you intend to retain? Respect for your organization. You're just idiots. Can you people not understand that we're, we go to a powerlifting meet not to be preached to about COVID-19. 
We go to a power lift to meet the fucking total. And you just qualified the total because the way the guy was wearing his mask? The fuck is wrong with you goddamn idiots? <laughs> I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. You know, what? Uh, I, I don't know what you're thinking about. You know? Would you, would you have disqualified his total if you'd found out that he'd fucked around on his wife? You know, like Friday before the Saturday meet? You know, would you disqualify his total because you found out that at one point in his in his life he'd been uh, arrested for shoplifting or something like that? You know what? Where, where does your purview stop? Rip, he was, he or, was endangering lives. Apparently, that's what it was. Endangering lives. He's endangering lives because everybody was was you know. Within six feet. Because power lifters are dying left and right from COVID. No, all right, so this is what I'm unsure of. Does social distancing work or not? If social distancing works, then why do we need the masks? If masks work, why do we need social distancing? Why do we have to do both? That doesn't make any fucking sense. That makes just about as much sense as disqualifying a powerlifting total because <laughs> the guy had his mask down below his nose. Uh, I mean, how are you supposed to breathe? How are you supposed to take a great big breath in Valsalva before a squat if you've got a piece of fucking cloth over your mouth? You know, if you guys are so terrified of being around somebody and catching the deadly COVID-19 pandemic virus, then don't go to the meat. Nobody made your ass show up at the meet. Nobody made you endanger yourself by being. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, now I'm 37. I'm 5'7, 155. Starting date, 18 March 2019, at a body weight of 145. On the last day before the lockdown, which was 20 January 2020, he was at a body weight of 155. So in a total of 10 months, he had gained 10 pounds. That's what I'm seeing here. Okay. His starting numbers. Okay. Last day of the lock, his starting numbers are just to illustrate squats 245 and on the last day before the lockdown, he squatted 445. So he added 200 pounds to his squat with only a 10 pounds body weight increase, and that's pretty impressive. But he's 5'7. What could he have squatted at a body weight at 5'7 of 200? Well, more than 445, right? 445, 200 pound increase in squat is, is impressive. But, uh, I'm just thinking of all of the potential he's lost. His goal is to squat 500, deadlift 500, bench 275, press 185. <clears throat> I have to eat more and gain weight. It's really hard for me to gain weight. It is if you don't eat more. There's no doubt about that. He used to eat 3,500 calories per day, and some days he went all the way up to 4,000 calories. Well, that's unbelievable. 
uh, keep losing consistency and keeping the calories high. For example, when I eat around 4,000 calories on the following day, I can't repeat that. I tried to drink milk. It helped. But it fucks up my stomach, and I cannot drink it consistently. So uh, he wants my advice. Uh, I, You know, you know what you got to do, kid. You know what you got to do. You're just not, you're not willing to do it. You're not willing to do it. You have to eat more than you want to. If you want to weigh more than 155, you've got to eat more than you're eating at 155. And you got to do it all the time. It just, once again, let's refer back to what I said earlier. It's your job to decide how important this is to you and then act accordingly. If you want to gain weight, then you'll do what it takes to gain weight. And so far, you hadn't done it. Okay. Uh, you want me to read that? No. You don't want to see this? No. This is, you know, you guys don't. All right. Just ask a question. I don't want to hear it. I don't need your book report. Okay. Okay. Live in a smallish town. The only decent gym I could find within a reasonable distance was one bench. Has one bench without safeties, one rack, often used by people squatting or pressing. Well, that's what it's supposed to be being used by. Uh, getting a competent non-bro spotter is basically impossible, so there's no safe way for me to train the bench. After trying to make it work for a couple of years, I decided to switch to dumbbells. I'm not happy with it, given the limitations, but at least I don't risk orphaning my three kids. Well, that's important. I mean, you made them, you got to raise them, right? Honestly, you I can't raise them if you kill yourself. I think that's having a, a big bench is more important, but that's just me. Yeah, well, I, I can sympathize with that. <laughs> All right. And it's just I tackle the issue and continue to train productive, live in a department, so home gym is unfortunately not an option. Any tips on how to set up for heavy dumbbell presses? I watched your video, but I can't quite get the hang of it. Well, I would suggest that, uh, A, uh, the bench press with the bar is the superior exercise for incrementally loading the bench press. It's very hard to incremental, incrementally load a dumbbell bench press. Is it, those kind of dumbbells are expensive. whole bunch of dumbbells. At two pound increments, it's terribly expensive. All right, and when you get up to where you're benching 135 pound dumbbells, you're going to have problems getting them in position. You just are. You're going to have a lot of problems getting them in position. This is why the book does not use dumbbell benches as the exercise of choice for the bench press movement. The the barbell bench press is much more manageable. It's much safer for your shoulders because you're going to hurt your shoulder with 135-pound dumbbells. You know, unless you're already benching 500, you're you're going to hurt your shoulder with a, with a 135-pound dumbbells. That's just what's going to happen. All right. So, really, what this what 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 I selected this question today was for. We can't change the fundamental nature of the program and have it be the program, all right? 
Somebody says, ah, I don't want to do squats. What do I substitute for in the novice linear progression because I don't want to do squats? And the answer is, don't do the novice linear progression. It's based on squats. I'm sorry, I can't alter the basic reality of the situation just because it's inconvenient or undesirable to you. All right? You, you need, if you're going to bench press, you need a barbell. You need a safe place to do it. My suggestion is figure it out. You've got to figure it out. All right? One of the questions that I know you address in practical programming, but not so much on this podcast, is how a lifter should continue his training after LP runs its course. Is this in the well, book? I don't mean to when a lifter gets artificially stuck by ignoring your famous first three questions. I mean how, at some point between squatting 135 for sets cross and squatting 495 for sets cross, a lifter will likely no longer be able to progress every single workout. I believe this is especially true for lifters in their late 30s and beyond. Can you please summarize where we would go from here? You know, somebody ought to write a book about this. <laughs> you know, I think I'll call Andy Baker and and write a book about this. I think we'll call it Practical Programming for Strength Training 3rd Edition. You think that's a reasonable title for that book? I think it's a pretty good title. I think we'll get right on that because, you know, this is a very good question. What do you do after the novice linear progression? Um, can we uh, make the cover gray? Yeah, let's make a gray cover. Okay, cool. And let's put that, let's put that graph on it. Mm. You know, the, the, the training advancement chart. I, that's that's what we'll do. Okay. okay, we'll we'll have that ready for you in just a couple of minutes. Free, write that okay. down. Okay. Right. All right. Here is an interesting thing. Uh, this is not really a training question. It's just sometimes people send me stuff just out of frustration. <laughs> This would be one of these. This would be one of these things, okay? Attached is an order. Sorry. Attached is an article from the LA Times regarding the treatment of a boy with a diagnosed behavioral mental disorder. Outlined in the article is some of the doctor's thoughts that his slightly high levels of testosterone produced behavioral issues in adolescent boys. Now, this is unbelievable, what I'm about to, to read to you. You're not going to believe this. The doctor, and after all, he is a doctor, treated the boy with an estrogen pill and he subsequently developed gynecomastia. And his comment is, this is the direction our country and medical professionals are headed towards with dangerous thought processes that hormones should be manipulated in any human being on their whim. The child was not given any long-term study of hormone levels. 
This treatment was preposterous, illegal, and dangerous to the teenager's development during this crucial time. The doctor tampered with one of the most important, if not most important, hormones for a male. I wanted to share this with you because your platform could shed light of how dangerous this mentality can be. And here's an article. And uh, just so, in case you don't believe this, and I can understand how you would be reluctant to believe that someone was this motherfucking irresponsible. Uh, so this kid, uh, uh, you know, is in fucking juvenile hall. He's a problem kid and everything. Uh, young teen. And uh, they took, uh, apparently, some blood from the boy. Determined that... Uh, determined that uh, uh, he was, uh, in fact, had a had a elevated testosterone. This, this thing appeared in the L.A. Times on July 15th. Apparently, the doctor in in the uh, in the situation's name was Donnie Wayne. Wayne. Wang. Wang. W-A-N. Donnie Wang. All right? I don't know if that has anything to do with it decision to treat or not but what let me ask you people a question what would you think the testosterone level in an acid in an adolescent boy ought to be what do we remember about our adolescence it was a time when our bodies changed What do you suppose changed our bodies? Could it possibly have had something to do with elevated testosterone levels? Do you understand that there is a wide range of individual hormonal responses to every situation? Do you understand that some people are elevated beyond others? Do you understand that these are perfectly natural processes that have been happening for millions of years without Dr. Wang's intervention. Uh, this, is, this is terribly disturbing. Dr. Wang ought to be beaten to death with a hammer, with a two-pound maul, just beaten to fucking death however long it takes, because you just fucked this kid up. From now on, you fucked him up. Because your little 120 IQ medical degree didn't prepare you to do anything except react to a reference range number. And... You know, rot in hell, Dr. Wang. Rot in hell, you piece of shit. God almighty, is there no supervision for people like you? Uh, I just, this is horrible. This is one of the most horrible things I've ever heard. I know doctors, especially pediatrician types like Dr. Wang, are, are you know, often, some of them are good, okay? But most of them are dumbasses. 
you know. And this kind of thing is just, you know, just to see what happened. Let's just let's just put a little estrogen in him, you know. The the drug wasn't disclosed, uh, but there are oral forms of estrogen, just like there are oral androgens. And uh, I'm sure one of those is what was administered by this guy. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I don't know. I just don't know what to say. Bill Law sent that in. I appreciate your calling our attention to that. But, God damn. I think another and, and, you know, maybe it has to do with California. That's exactly what do you What do you think? That's exactly You think it's got something to do with California? Does anything sane happen in California? I think you know, uh, I, we, we should also name David O. That's O-H. He's the medical director of the Juvenile Court Health Services. Um, he is also to be held responsible. And, for, and he for thought this was a good idea, too. Yes. Well, okay, Dave. Why don't we give you some estrogen? Maybe that would help you get along at work. The problem is he probably your, has too much already. Yeah, I think he's probably estrogen poisoned already. If he thinks the testosterone is the problem in an adolescent boy. Ah, uh, God damn. That's so irritating to hear shit like that. It really is. You know, just it, it reaffirms my low opinion of pediatrics. Most of it is just, I mean, veterinary guys are way sharper than pediatricians. At least and, they care. They seem to care about the animals. At least they care. You know, you got a little kid here that's at at your mercy, and you're gonna <laughs> you give an adolescent boy estrogen. I just, you know, in what alternate reality do these fucking people live? <clears throat> I don't know. It's, maybe I shouldn't be this upset about it, but. And, you know, at, at this point in time, nothing in California surprises me. Nothing out there. I do not understand what the hell those people think. I think they don't think. I think they feel. And that's all. That's all they do is feel things. They emote. Instead of express themselves, instead of communicate, they emote. And uh, it's a it's a goofy fucking place, man. It's a goofy place. Nobody wants them to secede more than me. I know they think they want to secede real bad, but I want to vote on it too. Let's put that up to a national vote. What do you want? What do you ought to bet we'd get another map <laughs> out of the deal? All right. Well, we don't have time for the rest of this shit. This will take another hour. And you guys are tired of listening to this shit anyway, and I'm tired of being here. Coffee's cold. What else? I think we're good to go. You know, need to pee. So let's just let's just wrap it up and call it uh, a day here on Starting Strength Radio. We do appreciate your being with us uh, every Friday at this time. And we'll look forward to talking to you next week on Starting Strength Radio. Bye.